Hi everyone, good morning and thank you for always joining the Refiner's Funnest Podcast and sincerely you're welcome to this um, great and amazing episode once again and we're trusting that the Lord will touch your life, we're trusting that the Lord will bless you, sincerely I want to thank you for always joining us and uh, encouraging us so far and we are so grateful yes we're so grateful and my greatest desire my greatest prayer for you is that the lord will make so much use of you that the lord will insist on you endlessly until you conform to the perfect image of the Christ in Jesus name oh I want to thank um, Glass FM for taking it upon themselves to be promoting what we do at the refiners for this podcast and please I want to encourage each and every one of you to subscribe to Glass FM and and get a lot of inspirational content and trust me you won't regret it please you can check on spotify you're going to see them on spotify and then please follow the finance finance podcast also and sincerely i i i promise you won't regret it thank you so much glass fm thank you so much everyone for this you are doing god bless you so today we are going to be we'll be looking at the third episode in our new series which we by the message of god we began about three weeks ago yes and god has been helping us so far so we have been checking and looking carefully into the parables of jesus christ and by the mercies of God and the Spirit of God, we have been trying to decode the spiritual um, significance and importance of these parables. And we began asking ourselves why Jesus Christ will use parables in almost all his teachings. And then, we're careful to understand um, the importance of these parables. And we were careful to also look into the true interpretations of these parables and by the message of God he has been helping us so on that note we'll be looking at the third episode today and today we'll be talking about the parables of the laborers the ten virgins and the unjust judge so our scriptural text is taken from the book of Matthew chapter 28 to 30 and Matthew chapter 20 verse 1 to 16 so this whole parables in this very scripture started by a question so Peter was curious to understand what he was done to gain Peter was or I believe everyone would have asked the same question I was doing a business day Lord Jesus I was I was doing well my business was going on well by the midst of God I have been doing this business for a long time, even before you came. 
and then this is me leaving that which I know how to do best all because you gave a promise that I'm going to fish men come on does does that even does that make sense so Peter out of curiosity out of being a businessman who wants to who doesn't want to lose ask the question he said in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 19 said then Peter responded to him see we have left everything and now let me let me read from the king james version then answered peter and said unto him the whole were forsaken all and followed thee what shall we have therefore and jesus said unto them verily i say unto you that ye which have followed me in the generation when the son of man shall shall sit in the throne of his glory he also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold and inherit everlasting life. But many are the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first and we're going to be moving straight to the parables in matthew chapter 20 verse 1 to 16. so peter asked out of curiosity and jesus christ was still making promises jesus christ was still telling them i, I believe peter would have wondered come what is this man saying so jesus christ had to expand on that which he was he was yet saying so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 20, 20 verse 1 now by the message of God and we'll see how to navigate through the message of God or by the message of God and by the help of the Holy Spirit. So the parables of the laborers. So I, I want you to understand that I told you that, that Jesus Christ used these parables and he had an approach to every parable i mean most of the parables you can go back and check and do a research jesus christ will start every parable by saying for the kingdom of heaven is likened to and i, I gave an explanation to this some we is it two weeks ago I, I said that jesus christ will make this statement because he came from what a government and trying to tell us what that government truly resembles he had to come in this notion oh the kingdom of heaven where i am from is likened to this so you have to do this if you have to um, fraternize with where I'm coming from you have to live like this you have to behave like this you have to act like this this mentality must be in you remember when the Bible said let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus that mind it, it, it took it from a government from from a civilization where he has mastered and when he came he tried to deposit everything into humanity so let the same mind, let the same thought, let the same behavior, um, then let this activity that is consistent in the other realm of which I came from, let it be found in you. So Jesus has said, for the, will, 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 will be fond of saying, for the kingdom of God, I mean from the kingdom of heaven, is likened to, is like this. So he tells you what the true representation of the kingdom of God is like 
on a physical a physical pedestal are, are you with me now so for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard now when he had agreed with the laborers for the for a dinner is a day he sent them into the vineyard understand that this was a, a land that needed workers to get in there and then do what and then call so for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner so like many of jesus parables this story is about an employer and those who work for him jesus will use this story to answer the question of peter in matthew chapter 19 verse 27 so see we have left everything and for you so first a promise of reward was issued to peter second a warning that god's manner of distributing reward is not necessarily the manner of man remember when the bible said my thoughts are not your thoughts my plans are not your plan in jeremiah can you remember that scripture I think it's in Jeremiah chapter 11 or thereabout. Is it 11 or 25 thereabout? I, I forgot it. So, finally, this parable that illustrates the principle that God's manner of rewarding is not like man's practice of giving reward. So, so this parable, or Jesus Christ was trying to explain to Peter, a guy, I can understand how you feel, I understand your pain, but get this straight into your head, get this into your framework, into the, the framework of your mind, that the way God acts is different from the way man acts, the way God thinks is different from the way man thinks, and as such, the way God rewards men is actually different from the way man rewards, are you with me? Follow me and you will be blessed, so the, 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 labor, the, the, the landowner I went to hire laborers so the landowner went into the marketplace which was a gathering place for day laborers a man who wanted to walk came there first thing in the morning carrying his tool and waited until someone hired him now this was very consistent in the um in the Jewish community at that time, that for every laborer who wants to work to get what to eat, will go to a certain market, okay? Do you understand me? Or some specific places to actually wait then um, a land owners or field owners will come and hire them to do a certain job for them. So early in the morning, so this is literally at dawn, usually recorded about 6 a.m. in the morning, okay? So these workers, Hired at the very beginning of a working day, agreed to work for a dinner a day. Now, the common daily wages for a working man. So, this is an entirely normal arrangement. It is normal. So, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 3 to 7, though the land, through the day, sorry, the land owner continues to hire workers. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He said, he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give to you. So they went in. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. He said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to them, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive and he went out about the third hour. I'm, I'm explaining this now, sorry. Which was like 9 a.m. in the morning. And the sixth hour, which was like 12 noon. 11th hour, which was like 5 p.m. in the evening. 
through the day the landowner went into the place and gathered laborers found some standing idle and hired them so if the harvest was not in gathered before the rains broke then it's because it was rain and so to get the harvest in was a frantic race against time so any worker was welcome even if he could only give an hour to the work so the picture is that the landowner had an inexcusable supply of work for those who wanted to work pay attention i'm going to explain all by the message of god so the impression is that the landowner was surprised to find people idle because he had plenty of work to give them so there was a lot of work and then you are idle and then this is you who is looking for what to do you have been idle and then you can hear some of them saying ah uh, no one hired us we have been here all day no one hired us i've been idle because no one had hired me so so whatever is right i will give you whatever is right you will receive pay attention to this so he hired them at different period of time of the day the beginning of the day the ninth hour which, which was nine uh, sorry the third hour which was nine o'clock the sixth hour which was twelve o'clock eleventh hour which was five o'clock uh, are you following me so the landowner promised the earliest workers a day's wage, which was a dinner. This is a normal, a normal payment. The other workers hired through the day were all were not promised a specific wage. Only whatever is right, he promised to pay all the workers later and fairly. So in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse ten to verse eight to ten the landowner pays his worker so he called the laborers and gave them their wages beginning from the first i mean from the last to the first and the first to the last so these are their laborers. so they are paid at the end of each day when it came to pay came to time to pay them so the main hired last prepared first and paid for a full day's work okay so the men who were hired at 11 hour who worked only about an hour were obviously elated about being paid first and being paid for a full day okay so they're supposed to they supposed that they would receive more so the men who worked for the landowner all they saw the men who worked for only an hour come away from the pay table and they are supposed so if the landowner is paying these guys a full day's pay for an hour's work, then we will get far more. So the order of payment was important. So if the first worker had been paid, they would have not had time to develop a lot of expectations of getting more. Okay. So you need to understand that the order of payment was different. So the payment started from the last who was employed is what it should have been from the first worker so possibly the first felt their vanity wounded by being paid after others so they used their waiting time in considering their own superiority to the late commas so they likewise re received the same payment yet the main hired first early in the day and who had worked all day got paid exactly the land owner had promised them okay 
so the land owner did exactly as he promised but their, their supposition of more pay than promise was disappointed so imagine chapter 20 verse 11 to 15 the workers complained of the early workers so they come so they complained against the land owner so after being paid the main hired first took up a complaint with their land owner they were offended that the land owner gave the men who work less equal to to those who came who came late so the money was paid by the overseer but he was standing by enjoying the scene okay the land owner was not the one that made the payment but someone who was like um a manager yes of the farm and the land owner was just there enjoying enjoying the scene i want you to pay attention and you'll be blessed so it is so easy to sympathize with those who had worked all day they worked while the others were idle they walked in the heat of the day while the others shaded themselves yet they were paid exactly the same friend i'm doing you no wrong did you not agree with me for a dinner this is what the land owner said so the land owner reminded them that he had completely been fair to them he did them no wrong and had broken no promise so i wish to give you the la- I, I wish to give to this last man the same as you so the land owner did not or did nothing to explain why he did it so other than simply to say i wish so this was the choice of the land owner not to look at what the last person did whether the person did not work at all but i decide because i am the land owner i'm the one paying it i decide to give this one what he truly wills okay pay attention and you be. so the reason for the land owner generosity were completely in the land on himself and not in the ones who receive so it is not lawful for me to do what i wish with my own thing it was a question or is your eyes evil because i am good so the landowner rebuked rebuked them for their jealousy and resentment of the landowner's generosity towards others so he also strongly claimed this is his right to do what he wanted to others so so he even accused them of having evil eyes which entails jealousy so the landowner asked them are you jealous are you angry because i decide to show all that's good so imagine chapter 20 verse 16 the parables apply to the principles of god's reward so the first will be the last i mean the last will be the first and the first will be the last for many are called but few are chosen so the last will be the first and the first will be the last so peter and the disciples knew they had given up a great deal to follow jesus so peter wanted to know what they would get in return so through this parable jesus assured peter and the disciples that they will be rewarded but the principles of many who are first will be the last and the last phase meant that God may not reward as man expects, even as the parables illustrate. So, some people think this parable speaks of a way that people come to God at different stages of their life. I just want to understand this. So, they may come at the beginning of their life, in their youth, in their adulthood, in their old age, or even at the very end. All this thing is related to how the gospel first done with um john the baptist then the preaching of jesus then the preaching of the pentecost then to the jews and finally to the gentile it is the best or it is best understood as a parables about grace and reward so 
The disciples should expect to be rewarded, but they should not be surprised if when rewards are distributed, God will reward all that's in unexpectedly. So last will be the first and the first will be the last. So this is the essence of God's grace when he rewards and blesses man according to his will and pleasure, not necessarily according to what men actually deserve. Because truly, if we are to follow what we deserve as men, truly, truly, we will never find the favor of God because we have disappointed the Lord countlessly. I mean countlessly. So, the system of law is easy to figure out. So you get what you deserve. The system of grace is foreign to us because it is the deal of God. God's deal with us according to who he is, not according to who we are. Please understand this. So it is important to see that the landowner did not treat anyone unfairly, though he was more generous to some than others. So we can assure that or we can assuredly say that God will never ever be unfair to us, though he may for his own purpose and pleasure bestow greater blessings on someone else who seems to to be less des deserving so this point isn't that all have um, the same reward though though all god's people do go to the same heaven where they will have uh, to be rewarded in this time so this parable is not a perfect illustration of God's grace because the principle of working and deserving is involved. So the grace of God does not give us more blessing than we do. It gives blessing to us completely apart from the principles of deserving. Okay? So I want us to understand and, and come to terms that many are called but few are chosen. So this is, or this, yes, this was said in the context of the illustration of grace. Jesus emphasizes that both the calling and the choosing is God's based on his grace. Yeah? He's of God. This based on his grace, especially his choosing. So I want you to understand that it doesn't matter. Sincerely, this Bible is so deep. It's so deep. And, and I just wanted to come to terms and come to um, this point where you have to understand that the Lord is consistently in need of laborers. There's a lot to do for God. There's a lot to do in the kingdom. There's a lot to do there's a lot of people we need to you know talk to we need to um, encourage in the kingdom there's a lot of work to do for jesus so um the, the lord isn't really interested all he wants you to do is to uh come to him open heartedly is to is to open your heart to him that's what the lord wants you to do that's that's to the dimension of which the lord loves you so even if you have been hide love all day and then at the very end at the very end the lord can still make use of you there's no one the lord cannot make use of i just want you to open your heart to jesus i just want you to to come to him in all sincerity in all honesty and i promise you that the lord the lord is ever willing ever ready to accept you and he's going to accept you relentless he's going to accept you irrespective of the things you have done irrespective of who you are just be willing just be willing just be willing so you can see that those who were hired first started complaining he said master master we deserve more. We deserve more. And I brought you back to your place where the Bible says that my ways, my ways are not your ways. I don't judge. I don't judge people the way you think I should judge them. I don't, I don't hate people because you say I should hate people. Do you understand me? 
So some of us used to think that Jesus is our village member or, or our community head. No. So the fact that you hate a man does not mean that God will punish that man. In fact, I tell you, it is at that point that the Lord will love that man extremely more. Yes. The Lord will give us understanding and, and truly he will make our understanding very fruitful in Jesus' name. So this takes us to the next parable, which talks about the parable of the ten virgins. And I, I'm sure we are very conversant with, with this, with this. So if you're following the scriptures very well, you understand that um uh the kingdom okay, come sorry, Matthew chapter 24 ended with a parable, and then Matthew chapter 25 also began with another parable, and this parable is showing the or there's an emphasis here there's a theme to this to these parables there's a very big a very big theme to these parables and these parables emphasizes on the idea of readiness to coming to jesus i mean for the coming of jesus yes that readiness to come to jesus and for the coming of jesus you can remember in the first parables there was this readiness to walk from the what they call it now from the laborers they were extremely willing they were so desiring they they wanted to work at all costs and the only complaint the only thing the only issue they had was that no one hired them so you remember the question was like why have you been idle all day and the reason was that no one actually hired us so there was a willingness to work for jesus there was this readiness for for jesus and then this second parable is also talking about readiness for the coming of jesus now are you are you with me readiness to work for jesus and then readiness for the coming of jesus so we have to understand we have to check out these two themes and see how to link this carefully so so the ten virgins took lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom so these are three stages to a jewish wedding in that day please i want you to understand that jesus christ will use parables that were familiar and consistent with the happenings of the jewish community at that time so jesus had to bring them to um a familiar zone so that they could understand other things so if jesus was to be in the 21st century today he would also use things that are very consistent with our community right now so that it could bring us to a point where we have to genuinely understand the totality of his sermon are you with me the lord will give us understanding so there were like i said there were three states so the first was engagement a formal agreement made by the fathers so the second was betrothal so the ceremony Prometheus promises are made and the third was married approximately one year later when the bridegroom came in came at that unexpected time for the bride so that's actually by the way so when the bridegroom came the bridesmaid who were attending the bride attending the bride went forth to meet the bridegroom with lambs lighted so to conduct him and his companions into the house and to her who was to be the bride so some asked why jesus described ten virgins and not another reported little modic authorities said there were usually ten lambs in the bridal procession so it was a common size of wedding party but but that's actually bad but that's not my emphasis so the point is not these virgin girls which is assumed but simply that there were 10 
a favorite round number maidens invited to the wedding so so they went to meet the bridegroom so in this parable the first two stages were already taken place now the wedding party so the ten virgins await the coming of the bridegroom for the bride so to see the bridegroom as jesus himself seems warranted in light in the light of Matthew chapter 9 verse 15 this would be a bold figure for him to use as the old testament um frequently described god not the messiah as the bridegroom and israel was the bride so this is a consistent thing in the scriptures you can check in isaiah chapter 54 verse 4 to 5 you can check in isaiah 62 verse 5 isaiah yes also hosea sorry hosea chapter 1 verse 3 and jeremiah chapter 2 verse 2 so the young women caught unprepared are denied entry that's that's another thing that was um clearly so now five of them were wise and the other five were foolish so some in the wedding party were wise and prepared for the coming of the bridegroom some in the wedding party were foolish and unprepared now i want you to understand that in that time in the jewish community this groom come usually in an unexpected time i believe there was all there are things he or he he would have wanted to check that is why he came at those very odd hours of the day so after he had done the, the engagement and then the betrothal away promise made now coming to pick the bride i mean for the marriage is actually uh, in an unexpected time so they weren't sure okay the, the groom is going to come by 9 p.m the groom is going to come by 6 p.m they weren't sure because the groom was usually fond of coming in an unexpected time so foolish wise not bad and good but prudent and imprudent thoughtless and thoughtful that's actually by the way that's just a tip to capture for this parable so while the bridegroom was delayed they all slumbered and slept so all ten of the maiden slept because the bridegroom was delayed so in this parable both the wise and the foolish maiden slept but the wise ones were prepared to act immediately when they were unexpectedly awakened so the foolish maidens were not prepared so they are waiting to discuss the bridegroom in uh, festal procession probably in the last stage of the ceremonies as he brings his bride home for the wedding feast so they slumbered and slept nodded off and aware sound asleep would get the sense of the great tenses they slept they slept that is the that is the interpretation so they took their lambs and um, they took no oil with them so the five foolish virgins appeared to be ready appeared to be ready for the bridegroom but they had their lambs in hand but they all were not ready because they took no oil with them so obviously if you look at these guys they came for the wedding with all with all their heart they were there but they, they were not sure they were not certain about the unexpected delay do you understand me they were not certain but truly they came out for the feast so it is apparently a torchlight procession so the lamp probably probably being torches okay that is um oil soak wraps on a stick so rather than standing lambs which are described by a different word in Matthew chapter 5 or 5 verse 15 and Matthew chapter 6 verse 22 so the word used here generally regularly means touch so they are touches consistently of a wooden staff held in the hand which or with a dish at the top in which was a piece of cloth or 
robe dipped in oil or pitch. I'm just trying to describe what their those lambs look like. So oil. In, so the wise maiden had an extra supply of oil. So at the midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. All those virgins arose and trimmed their lambs. So at an unexpected hour, the bridegroom came for the wedding. So the wedding party immediately began to prepare their lambs for lighting. So trim their lambs is literally put their touches in order so it will it is a warning addressed specifically to those inside the processing church who are not to assume that their future is unconditionally assured so all 10 virgins are expected to be at the feast and until the moment come there is no apparent difference between them it is the crisis which will divide the ready from the already so so there was this expectation they have to be around they have to be there they are, they are, see i'm telling you the truth this is the common situation so there was no opportunity for them to be sure okay ah uh, he will come by this time the difference between the foolish and the wise was that there was an extra supply there was an extra supply because both of them slept do you understand me? So the idea was that there was an extra supply of oil for those who were called the wise. Not that you're not doing what you're supposed to do, but but do you have this extra supply? You have this extra supply in and for God. Hey, I, I wish you could understand. So, so the foolish virgins or those ones who were called foolish um, were unprepared because they lacked oil for their lambs. So in many biblical passages oil is an emblem of the holy spirit so without the oil the wedding party was not ready for the the wedding party was not ready for the bridegroom so without the holy spirit no one is ready for the return of jesus so you can see that in this very context that extra supply is the person of the holy spirit because he will teach you he will teach you the deep secret of god himself he will take you to the to the lord for there is a spirit in man and that spirit grants humanity understanding do you understand me now follow me and you will be blessed so all in all is a good representation of the holy spirit for many reasons so that actually so you know that oil lubricates oil heals and when used in um, that's a medical treatment oil light oil warms oil invigorates oil adorns oil polishes I, I i don't know and these are i don't know if you get this so these are the function of the oil and we say that this oil in most biblical passages represents the person of the holy spirit okay so no one can be a true christian without the indwelling of the holy spirit as it says in romans chapter 8 verse 19 verse 9 and in romans chapter 8 verse 14 for as many that are led by the spirit of god he said they are the sons of god so now if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he is not is that's romans chapter 8 verse 9 so so um in this bible jesus probably did not intend a separation between the spirit field and the non-spiritual christians so the distinction is likely between true christians and false believer so the door was shut as shortly i said to you i do not know you my god so the penalty was severe for the foolish person so they were not allowed to come to the wedding and the door was shut against them so the girls appeal and the bridegroom's response recall the chilling words of matthew chapter 7 verse 22 verse 23 here 
as they I don't know you is a decisive formula of rejection rather than a mere statement of fact. So when the door was once shut, it will never be open. There are some there are some who doubt and dream about the opening of that door after death. For those who have died impenitent, okay? But there's nothing in the scripture that warrants such expectation. Any larger hope than what is revealed in God's word is a delusion and a sin. So watch therefore, for you know not neither the day or the hour which the Son of Man is coming. The point of this Bible is simple. Be ready. The price for falling to the price for failing to be ready is just is just too high. Child of God, be ready. You know, another thing surprises me about these guys. They were all virgins. Trust me, virginity is gold. Trust me, virginity is a very high. It's too expensive, trust me. But irrespective of the fact that they were virgins, my God, I tell you the truth, it was not enough to grant them access into the court of the bridegroom. The idea was that they were, there was no extra supply. They didn't have extra supply. One of those days, um, we were in a gathering and my friend, one of my brothers was giving a charge and he, he made a statement. He said, this indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost in you, of God in you, has to be fanned to flame by you. Another man cannot come and help you kickstart your engine. So, the, to, the, to a greater extent, that which you will become in life is dependent on your ability and to the extent at which you have stirred that which is in you. Child of God, trust me, I tell you the truth. I tell you nothing but the truth. You have to find the spirit inside you to flame. We're talking about the extra supply here. I tell you the truth, if you don't have this, you will not see Jesus. Remember what Romans chapter 8 verse 9 is clearly talking about. You, you are not, if you don't have that spirit, you are not this. Child of God, let's learn to go for the extra. Because no one will give it to you. You have to know this God for yourself. The Lord will grant us understanding and make our understanding for full in Jesus' name. So, um, the final parable for today is that of the unjust judge. And it's one of those of my favorite scripture. And I, I like to delve into it a, a lot. And I will see I will see how the Lord will grant us understanding today by his mercies. So, Luke Gospel chapter 18 verse 1. He's actually talking about the attitude of prayer. Yes. Trust me, the attitude of prayer. So, in your readiness to walk in for Jesus and your readiness for the coming of Jesus Christ, you have to engage what? Um, the ministry of prayer. Yes. You have to be, because um, the Bible talked about watching and praying, be sober and being vigilant. You cannot assume this posture of readiness except you are tiring in the place of prayer. You are, you are consistently in the place of prayer um, checking what the current emphasis of the heart of God is like so that you can be able to understand um, the depths of darkness and be able to to navigate through them okay for darkness has a lot of um, devices a lot of crafty devices okay so we need to carefully and clearly decipher these things Follow me and you'll be blessed.
So, this was a very clear, a very clear statement, a very clear parable, and I, I want us to understand that there has to be what they call it now. This parable taught about taught us about a lot of things, and this parable taught, taught us about prayer. It taught us about humility, and it taught us about discipleship. So, we're going to navigate through. So, the parable about the act of persistence in prayers, yes persistence in prayer so so the purpose of this parable is that we will not lose a heart of prayer so i am going to be teaching you by the message of god and in accordance to these parables that attitude that very posture that very posture so jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to faint and some scriptures will say and not to lose at so so the, that men always ought to pray so man is created with a spiritual instinct to understand this so in ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 this was so prayer come often naturally so yet obstacles come in the way of um effective and uh, a constant prayer so jesus knew we needed to be both taught and encouraged so always to pray men always to pray jesus is not did not mean that we should always have our knees bent <laughs> and our eyes closed please understand this but we must always be in what is sometimes called the spirit of prayer so apostle paul brought this to us you know in um, thessalonians first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 so you know a lot of people don't understand this a lot of people don't understand this. so when we say you must consistently be praying some people actually believe that ah oh god you must always kneel down and be closing your eye now I, I tell you the truth i tell you the truth i tell you the truth now there is so much need for a quiet time but as a genuine believer you must always have the spirit of prayer so personally i i pray a lot i pray a lot and i pray every way anyway i am always conscious about praying yes it is it is like even while i'm eating there there's my spirit is heightened in prayers yes so i i i, I want us to understand it so when he wrote pray without ceasing, it is hard to measure how much good such constant prayer would do and how much bad it would keep us from. So not to look, often we fail in prayers because we lose out, we're discouraged. And then no longer pray as we should because we are discouraged. So it is easy to lose heart in prayer because prayer is hard. It's hard work that we too often approach lightly. So in Colossians chapter 4 verse 12 Paul praised a man named Epaphras because he was always laboring fervently in prayers I love Epaphras so Paul knew that prayer was hard work that required fervent labor it was a man it, it's a very deep it's a very deep and hard work so there is the understanding by which we walk in talent so there is the heart but which we labor willingly so there is the willing or the will by which we labor doggedly. So it is easy to lose heart in prayer because the devil hates prayers. It, if prayers were powerless, it would be easy. That's actually by the way. So devil, the devil comes in a way to make sure that we we don't pray because these prayers have a way of affecting. So if prayer was that easy, a lot of people have been praying every day, especially in this part of the world. So you meet somebody and say, have you prayed? No, no, I've prayed a lot. It's, a, it's hard work. Let me, let me tell you the truth. It's hard, it's hard work. Okay, so um, Jesus likened the, the, the system of prayer 
just to encourage us to a certain judge who wants to live and feared not God or man. So the judge was ungodly. The judge was ungodly, both as a man and a judge. Yet, in the end, he answered the woman's request. So the only reason he gave her what she wanted was because the woman wouldn't stop bothering him. So if we are going to leave this judge on himself, he was not supposed to answer this this woman he was not supposed to the only reason he answered this woman was not even because the woman was right it was not clear <laughs> are you following me the reason this terrible judge answered this woman was just for the reason that the woman was disturbing him Please, i don't know if you are if you are if you are careful to understand this so this judge did not fear God, meaning his conscience was seared with hot iron. Are you with me? But then, he respected the fact that his conscience was long dead. The Bible clearly says that this judge granted that woman's request. So, Jesus Christ used this Bible to teach us what it truly means to pray. So, the best thing to do in prayer is whether you are seeing your result. You are not seeing your result. Whether it seems like you are talking so far or you're not, the idea is pray. So I, I, I give a short story. One of these days I was one of those days I was praying and I was I was just so deep in prayers. I was just shouting as usual, praying seriously. Then it was as though someone was talking to me and said, Ebenezer, what if I don't answer your prayers? Will you still pray? What if it takes me forever to answer you? Will you still pray? So, those questions helped me check the inconsistent, selfish part of my life. And as at that time, I began to ask for mercy because it was that I was praying because of the things I needed. I was not praying for love. So, see, sincerely, if you want to approach God, you have to come on a platform of love. So, I used to ask a popular question as a child of God. What if you are told that Jesus or God never existed? Will you still serve him? So a lot of people ask me, Guy, why will you even ask us such a question? Will you still pray if they told you Jesus did not exist? Or Jesus was a fluke? So at that point, I checked the reason of my approach to God. Pay time. I checked it carefully. So child of God, I, I, am, I, am, I am by the message of God encouraging you that you should not relent. And let everything that you will do to God come on a platform of love. Because truly, I tell you, that is when you're going to see your reward. Pay attention and you will not be blessed. And the judge said, Do I fear God? I fear not a man. Shall I not avenge for this woman who cried out day and day to me? So, if this was the situation of the judge, think about God. Think about the fact that you are calling on God every day, every minute, every time. So, you did not lose hope because God is always ever ready, ever willing to pay attention to your cry. The Lord will give us understanding in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, so the question is, when the Son of Man actually come, will he find faith? Will he really find faith on it? Now, let me explain this because a lot of people confuse this. Will he find faith does not mean will I still find Christians? No, because I've seen a lot of Christians who are in total, in total camouflage of who a Christian was supposed to be. Let me not go into that. So he ties Jesus' thought 
or this ties Jesus thought on his word about his coming and um, the end of the previous chapter unless we know who God is that's being not like the unjust church and unless we we are people who pray without losing heart so we don't yet have the kind of faith Jesus will look for when he returns so now now let me explain let me explain this faith let me let me let me help you explain this now faith a lot of people believe that faith is um is shown when you, for example you lack money and then you don't have money and you hear a lot of christians a lot of believers who say ah i have faith that money will come no 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 now when you go back to hebrew chapter 11 and then you begin to check down the hallmark of faith so the true expression and the true definition of faith to those guys was to the end that they could take blows they could take slaps see the bible says some of them were sown asunder do you understand what that means they were divided into two and this was counted to them as sigh. so faith in that context was a definition of the things they had to pass through for the sake of jesus christ so now the bible say he said will the son of man find faith with the son of man find some of these don't get men who are spending days, months, weeks, years in the place of prayer, irrespective of the fact that they are not seeing results. Oh, I love a woman in Roman, in Luke Gospel chapter 2, we call her Anna the prophetess. So in her entire life, her total essence was to the end that she was waiting on the arrival of Jesus. And she was not just waiting, she was praying. Thank, thankful prophet Simon. He was also in the temple all praying. No wonder when Jesus Christ was brought to the temple, he said, now we can go and rest because our eyes have seen the one on whom we have been looking. Child of God, I encourage you in the name of Jesus. Don't be discouraged. You need to be persistent. Habakkuk said, I will stand upon my watch. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. I will stand upon my watch. Child of God, how many of you are standing upon your watch? How many of us are looking up to Jesus? I pray that the Lord will help us. I pray that He will cause His face to shine upon us. I pray that He will give us light. I pray that He will help us stand consistently to wait on Him. I pray that the Lord will build our life. The Lord will help us, help us, help us to be ever ready. I pray that the Lord will help us to be consistent, to be consistent in his dealings in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Ebenezer Bassett. Please like this podcast. Please share this podcast. Please tell someone about this podcast. And like I said, please subscribe to Glass FM because you'll be getting, you will be getting updates from the Refiner's Furnace podcast on Glass FM. Thank you so much, Glass FM. Thank you, everyone, who spent time to make sure that this podcast is a success. God bless you.